0: scripture reading for this Sunday is also on the theme of creation. And this is, of course, Promise Sunday, and the theme is stewardship. And it is, of course, a direct connection of stewardship and the care of God's world. You heard Catherine read Catherine Reed from the opening of the Bible, and this is from one of the prophets, Joel. It's a celebration of creation. Do not fear, O soil. Be glad and rejoice, for God has done great things. Do not fear you animals of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, the tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. O children of Israel, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God, for God has given the early rain for your vindication. God has poured down for you abundant rain. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. This ends our reading from the prophet Joel. And will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Well, this Sunday brings an abundance of themes and possibilities for a sermon. And you might initially think to yourself, well, that should make preaching easier, right? Lots of ideas to choose from. Just pick one. But in reality, it makes it actually tougher to settle on a theme. With the multiple themes of this day, it's it's sort of like three people trying to pass through a narrow doorway. You have to think how the order can unfold. So there are themes, right, for this day. It is Promise Sunday where we have brought our pledges to be sung over and blessed. And for me, that is always a profoundly spiritual moment. So it's Promise Sunday, kind of a stewardship theme. It's also Crop Walk Sunday. Meredith told us about the remarkable 50 years of the Crop Walk, where people today will give of themselves their precious time and also share their blessings and, yes, their blisters and walk those miles to help face the problem of hunger. So that could mean that sort of the overarching theme of this day could be that of Christian stewardship. And stewardship is basically the faithful and wise use of our blessings from God. And stewardship often grows from the fertile soil of hope. And hope brings those three sort of streams of themes together. So, I do wish to reflect on hope, but in specific, specifically, its relationship to the care and stewardship of God's first blessing to us, our environment, the creation. But I'll begin with hope. And it's said that hope is neither an act of our wills, nor is hope simply mindless optimism, but hope is an act of our imaginations, an act of our imaginations. Hope is what allows us to sort of see beyond what is right now and imagine what might be, and even what ought to be. However, if hope simply remains in our imaginations, it's unlikely to have much of an impact on our world. So the power of hope is not only to help us imagine what might be, But hope can also move us into places where we have not yet had the courage to go. Hope can shape us into becoming the people we have not yet become. Hope can help us do the things that we have not yet done but should. Hope may begin with our imagination, but it does hold the potential to move us to action. And in the case of caring for God's creation, the environment, the time to act is not tomorrow. It's not even today. It's yesterday. But why am I saying this specifically on a Sunday morning to a Christian community, to, a, to people of faith? And I am because it's fairly straightforward that the care of our earth can be an act of Christian stewardship. And today is Promise Sunday, right? An act of Christian stewardship. But it's also been suggested that the language of hope, that the the whole concept of imagining a better world, a better tomorrow, that that language is spoken most fluently by people of faith. And you heard it already, both in... The passage that Catherine read for us and the children, and I read from the prophet Joel. Scripture affirms that all of God's creation is precious to God. All of creation is cherished by God. As Catherine read, and it was good. Listen again to the words of the prophet Joel. Do not fear, O soil. Soil. Do not fear animals of the field, do not fear the pastures of the wilderness or the trees that bear fruit, but that the children of God should be glad and rejoice that God has poured down the blessing of abundant rain, that there are silos full of grain. And it was very good. God the giver of life is linked to the renewal and the blessing of all. Creation. And so if we take this religious call seriously, then solutions to environmental problems, in particular climate change, solutions will not be seen as primarily technological or political, but those solutions will also be profoundly spiritual. And why should we, of course, care about climate change? Because we cause it, and it should be of particular concern to people of faith. Because climate change will destroy or hurt all of that which God called good. So what to do, right? Well, I could have had listed on the back of the bulletin hundreds of things you can do, but you've read most of them. You can Google them. If you have children, you've talked to them about them. Your children have taught you things that you can do to care for the environment. And yes, our Green Team ministry has done its darndest to help us be better stewards of God's creation. But it's time to do more than that as people of faith. We need to advocate to our elected officials as well. And churches need to be ready to speak out and act because politicians know that the people who can first affect change well, are the politicians, but the politicians know that because statistically, People who sit in the pews on Sunday mornings are the most likely to vote, overwhelmingly. So you need to make your voice heard. And we know the truth. And it's an overwhelming truth. The majority, 97% of scientists, tell us that there is no doubt, not even reasonable doubt, no doubt left about the threat posed to the earth by climate change and our treatment of the environment so if we wish to preserve a world for our children our grandchildren great-grandchildren then we need to speak up and act i heard at a senior pastor's conference an expert on this who also happened to be a person of faith and he framed the conversation this way after talking about the dismal and frightening details of climate change he said but in the end If you care about the justice that Christ lived and died for, then climate change is probably the biggest battle you will ever face in your lifetime. And we know it, right? We hear all and we read about the models that suggest that climate change will create hundreds of millions of refugees fleeing rising water and crop fields turned barren. And climate change will bring famines and disease, and violence of, well, Biblical proportions. And it's frightening to imagine. But you know what else is frightening? And I'm going to be honest with you, I'll editorialize a little bit here. What is also frightening is that there is a strain of the Christian faith, of fundamentalist Christian faith, and this strain of Christianity is held by some politicians at both the federal and state level, and by our neighbors as well. But it's called um, pre-millennial dispensationalism. I know that's a mouthful. But what it really believes is this, that those famines, that disease, that violence that may be the result of climate change used to be welcomed. Welcomed. Because if that is the strain of fundamentalist Christianity that someone adheres to, they believe that the violence and the disease and the famine are all precursors before the second coming. They have to occur in that strain of Christianity. And so know that there are some who stand against climate change science, both publicly or even quietly, who do so because they think it will bring about the return of Christ. That's almost as frightening as climate change itself. But if we we care about the future, about the generations yet unborn, we must act. We know this, we have permanently and are permanently degrading and impoverishing our Earth. And why are we doing that? It might simply be to prolong for another 25 or so years lifestyles that we love and enjoy and so to me, one of the most compelling reasons for Christians to care and to act is that if we ignore climate change, it will be a statement about endorsing selfish individualism run amok in our culture. And I understand that we live in an age of self-care and getting our needs met, and that's important too. The heart of Christianity, heart of Christianity calls us to think about others' needs Often, even before we think of our own, climate change is an issue for fe- people of faith that demands us to answer questions about what the good life really looks like. And if we are to use 50% less fossil fuel by the middle of this century, that world will likely be, and a nation will be, a community will be, our homes will be very different. But it also might be a world in which we depend even more on one another, even more on our neighbors than we do today. And you know what? That, that might be the fertile soil in which hope can flourish. Because in the end, the source of our hope is the faith in a living God. But our hope cannot be this. Our hope cannot be that God will solve everything everything will come out okay if we pray hard enough. That is simply mindless optimism. But our hope can be that God will inspire us to overcome our reckless greed and care for all corners of God's creation. All corners of which God has called very good. But We do need to be careful here. Just as one writer has suggested, simply naming the hot mess of what we are doing to our world isn't enough. Simply confessing that we are failing isn't enough either. We have to lean strong and hard into our faith for the sustenance, even the strength, to stand up, to dig in, and to do the work we are called to do as Christians. Hope is not some byproduct of a divine guarantee that it'll all come out okay. But instead, hope allows us to face the toughest issues of our day with fresh energy and with urgency. And I know, I know, hope can grow weary. Hope can become impatient. Hope can even disappoint us. But the hope that is forged of the biblical call to dig deep and to tell the truth of what we see, feel, and experience that kind of hope? That kind of hope reminds us that we must always show up for what is right and good. And in the case of the care and stewardship of our earth, that hope is about life. Yours, mine, and all those that will follow. God